Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Bring the Pain. In case you have forgotten, this is Cyrus Wayne coming to you once again right here from Radio Fairfax. And you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Cy underscore the great T-H-A great. After a few weeks, I'm really starting to get the hang of this whole Instagram thing. I told y'all when it comes to technology, I am an old man. I'm getting used to it. I'm getting better. I'm doing more of these Instagram-y type things. Obviously, my Twitter is still going so good. That's the best way to reach me. I am not always on there, but I'm up there enough, especially when there's big things happening in sports. You get my takes in real time. And that's the best place you can you know, debate me if you agree with me or if you think I'm just absolutely full of it. That's the best way to get me and for me to hear what you have to say so I can flat out tell you electronically that you're wrong and I am right and everyone could just keep everything moving. So speaking of if, if I'm wrong or am I right, I've been catching a lot, a lot of flack over the past over the past weekend over how I called a certain coaching situation. So after I had said Les Miles was going to be fired because he should have been fired last year, y'all remember that? Of course you do. So I mentioned that Ed Orgeron, the perennial guy of, oh, I am going to be the interim head coach to not get the job. So I've been hearing the past couple of days, well, Cyrus, you called that one wrong. You called that one, you called that one wrong. Ed Orgeron, he got the job. He got the job. It was his. Ha ha. How do you like that? How do you like that? Take it. Uh, and to which I say, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. Look, I'm not taking the L on that one. I'll take the L on many things. I'm not taking the L on that one. Let me tell you why. I'm going to tell you exactly why. So for those of you who don't know, Ed Orgeron has become the official permanent head coach. Well, as permanent as you can get in college football. And hit more on that later. Spoiler alert. But he has gotten the job at LSU. It's the job that I guess he was made for. Being from the area. Having that uh, folksy feel like everyone loves him down there. But he, he ended up getting the job. And when I say everyone loves him down there, apparently everybody except the people who actually make the decisions at LSU. It's like this. Do you really brag to your like, fellas? Do you really brag to your boys if the if, if the girl that you're trying to get at that they're trying to get at for like whatever big event, like say back in high school, I didn't quite have this problem because you know how I do. If back in high school, you know, the girl that you're trying to ask out to uh, prom and you, like, you ask her, you, you're, trying, you're trying to get at her, you're trying to get at her, you're trying to get at her. And then she eventually says, oh, OK, sure, you can take me and you all, everyone's all happy. Right. And then you're happy until you realize that the only reason why she went with you is because the, the two guys that she wanted didn't want her. That's exactly what happened. So that's why I refused to take the Elvin situation because the two guys that LSU really wanted, if one of them had said yes, Ed Orgeron would have been completely out of the picture, just like I wanted. Orgeron was not the guy that they wanted, but it's the guy that they settle with. So the, this whole timeline, <laughs> this whole timeline is absolutely amazing. From the time, it just how everything went down. So the two guys that turned down the LSU job, predictably, if you're paying any bit of attention at all, are Jimbo Fisher, the head coach at Florida State, and Tom Herman, the former coach at Houston, now at with the Texas Longhorns. 
And this is how you knew that Ed Orgeron was about, was almost doomed from the beginning. LSU had reached out to Jimbo Fisher as early as early last week. This is before LSU even pl- played their final game. They had reached out to him to try to get a deal done. J- Jimbo Fisher, because it, it, understand, Jimbo Fisher has been in their sights for the past longest for this coaching job, right? Even when the when the whole Les Miles thing was going down, where they thought Les Miles was going to be fired at the end of last season, Jimbo Fisher was the guy who who came up constantly because if you remember, he was the offense coordinator at LSU for a while before he took the position at Florida State. He likes the South. As a matter of fact, if he were to take another head coaching position, it would not be outside the South. Everybody knows that. So everyone figured this would be the match made in heaven. LSU did apparently as well. Enough to offer about, well, the number. So the numbers here are always pretty fuzzy because no one really knows. But reportedly, and I can definitely believe this, the number that they have eventually thrown out that he eventually rejected was uh, six six point eight million dollars a year. So just for context, if that sounds like a lot of money, well, one, it is. Uh, two, that's definitely a pay raise from where he's at at Florida State. Because right now at Florida State, he's about at a uh, five and a quarter um, million a year. The way I, the way I make that sound, it, it sounds so paltry, but it, it's it is a lot of money. But he did turn down a substantial raise to go to LSU. And this, according to all the reports, happened on Wednesday. Again, LSU played their final game on Friday. That was when Ed Orgeron was going to make his pitch for him to become the permanent head coach. So he wouldn't have had, if Jimbo Fish would have hopped on that, Ed Orgeron would not have even had the chance to make a case for his job. That's why I am refusing to take the L here. Fast forward immediately to Thursday going into Friday. Uh, Tom Herman, this is all according to reports, had a virtually a handshake deal. They had agreed in principle uh, to a deal for him to come to take the head coach position at LSU. But his agent had other ideas. Um, LSU for all, all the. So he, here's how, here's how these things work. Right. When you're in the position that they're in, you're, tr- you're trying to milk everything. You're trying to get everything that you feel is coming to you. So, yeah. He definitely played this for as much as he could, just like most of us would have if we were in the same position. So he has LSU on one hand and Texas on the other, who everybody knew that was the guy they were going for as well. So after Tom Herman had backtracked because Texas was trying to make an offer for him as well, LSU said, you know what, we're not going to go through with this. We have our guy. When they say we have our guy, uh, they mean, oh, we have the guy who wants to be here, even though he's not the guy that we really wanted. We wanted you, but since you want to play this and we don't want to pay you as much as you want, uh, we're just going to stick with the guy we, that we have right now. Enter Ed Orgeron getting getting the job. Now, Tom Herman has been getting killed by fans and the media alike about how the way the way he handled the situation, how he flat out went on television and said that the reports for, to, for him going to Texas were completely false, and he was focused on winning a football game, which they ended up losing. To which, uh, of course, what, what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? 
I mean, I mean, are you really going to flat out about an hour before you take the field for the final game of the regular season? You're going to say, oh, by the way, right now, my agent is talking to Texas right now, talking to LSU. We're trying to get this deal done. Do you really you really think that's going to happen? Of course not. Are you serious? You are an absolute idiot if you believe that's how any of this is going down. So for you to be mad at him for playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. Oh, and by the way. As far as try to milk the deal for both LSU and Texas, if you're in the same position where you have two, forget the forget the numbers, forget the numbers. If you were in a job search, whether you're employed right now, you're unemployed, and you're looking to make that next step in your career or getting off the schneid, whatever the case may be, you have two competing companies vying for your services at comparable amounts starting out, you're going to milk that situation for what it's worth to get what you want. Face it. You would, all right? Let, let's let's stop the BS. Let's stop it. You would do it. I would. That's what makes this whole thing go round. Now, now that the dust has settled on this situation, there's still a few things to settle as far as you know, Lane Kiffin, whether he's going to leave Alabama to serve as LSU's offensive coordinator, if he's in line for a head coaching position himself, or what have you. But all around, this situation has basically settled. Jimbo Fisher is going to stay at, is going to stay at Florida State, presumably, presumably for the long run, because there's not going to be as many attractive jobs that are going to be open in the part of the country that he wants to stay in anytime soon. So Florida State is comfortable that they have their guy for the long haul. He's getting paid quite a bit. Uh, Tom Herman, as questionable as. I believe his decision to go to Texas over LSU is he landed at his spot, which I kind of question how he's still the hot the hot commodity when you really look at his record. Yes, he's had a successful run in Houston. Granted, he did it with other guys' players, and he did somehow manage to lure the, one of the top recruits in the entire state of Texas to Houston. That is something you don't really do. You don't really see that very well. But this season, they did lose three games to, oh, by the way, Memphis, Navy, and SMU. But you can quickly turn that around and say, okay, they beat Oklahoma, and they completely hammered Louisville with their Heisman-contending quarterback, Lamar Jackson. So that that definitely, I guess, makes him a top, uh, what, top? A candidate for, for a job, even though he's had some very questionable losses recently and some very big wins. So he's expected to duplicate that with Texas, although I am going to be very, very hesitant to give him credit early on, especially when he's dealing with with uh, with Charlie Strong's players. We saw this with Notre Dame years back when Charlie Weiss took the job in Notre Dame. He had early success using Ty Willingham's players. You remember Brady Quinn, Jeff Samarja. Uh, the wide receiver who is now pitching in the in Major League Baseball. Yeah, he had all the success with other guys' players, but then you realize, oh, wait a minute, he really couldn't recruit. He couldn't. He didn't have the eye for talent. He couldn't get the talented guys there. Although, as I mentioned with Houston and landing one of the top recruits in the entire state, going to the University of Houston, Tom Herman should not have a problem. But I, I, I still stand by they should give Charlie Strong they should give Charlie Strong one more year. And everyone's excited about Ed Orgeron, which I will admit that I think just from a distance watching him at USC, watching how he's handled LSU uh, in the inter- in the interim, 
I think he's gotten better, but let's remember the last time he was a full-time head coach. Yeah, yes, you remember, maybe not. I don't know. Let me refresh your memory a little bit. He was the, he his last full-time head coaching position was at Ole Miss. Down at Ole Miss, and you know what his record was? Down the SEC. Overall, his overall record was 10 and 25. 10 and 25 and he is somehow a hot commodity a hot commodity in the coaching market well according to LSU but of course you're going to take anything after you've been shot down twice go figure but one of the things that is really irritating me about the way this whole thing is going down not the way the coaches are acting because the coaches are acting any just face it the coaches are acting any way that we would act all right they're, it's part of the capitalist system. You go, you strike where the iron is hot. You maximize your earning potential. You do whatever it is that you can economically, financially, whatever, however you want to say it. But with all this big money floating around, we're still calling this amateurism. When all these guys, as proven over the last weekend, all these guys are simply mercenaries. And that is it. Forget school pride and loyalty. And when they're sitting in the living rooms uh, or, or the kitchens of their mother, of these kids, mothers, fathers, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, uh, guardians, who, whoever, and making the pitch saying, hey, come to my program. I'm going to take care of your son while in their mind under their breath going to say, oh, until this other school backs up the money, the backs up the brings truck for me to leave. Yes, that happens, and we've continued to see it happen, and the NCAA continues to let it happen. It, it's abs- And we still call this amateurism. It's absolutely ridiculous. And as I mentioned, Tom Herman, he, he's, he, came, he, he came up for real. He came up for real. His agent did a good job because over since 2009, where he was the offensive coordinator at Iowa State, making, what, 250000 Annually, he, since 2009, he's now earning about $5 million a year. According to all the reports it, with his um, contract in Texas, he's uh, slated to make about $5 million a year, plus, of course, incentives. Oh, by the way, he got paid $3 million a year at Houston, which is the highest ever at Houston, which we'll probably not see again anytime soon. Speaking of the money flowing around and how much crap all this amateurism stuff is... Charlie, Charlie Strong, as, as bad as I feel for him, because I think he deserved a longer term at Texas, uh, let's not feel too bad for him, okay? There, there is a buyout. He, is, he was under contract, and thus they need to pay out his contract. So the buyout is estimated to be at $19 million, not just for him. As I mentioned last week, his personal buyout is around nine, is about $10.711 million, Right. But then once you account for his assistance and and Herman's buyout of his contract at Houston. That's a total of about 19 million dollars. And oh, by the way, all this is coming from athletic revenue and, quote, private donations. This is how much money is in college football. And we have the nerve to consider to to consider this still amateurism is absolutely insane it needs to stop. As I mentioned, these coaches are mercenaries. They go from program to program as they please. But the players who are looking up to these guys as father figures and these and the parents that are releasing their children to these men to um, not not necessarily raise them, but to really bring them up at that 
very crucial stage of their life. And when their coach leaves, they're they're kind of dangling. They're like, ooh, okay. okay." Uh, And if they want to leave with them, oh, you can. First of all, the NCAA makes it ridiculous with all the paperwork that you have to set out a year. And it's absolutely insane. It is absolutely nuts. And I don't know what to do because I'm in this weird place of I want the system to change. I like the product. I love the product. But I hate the system that produces it. And yes, you can do that. That is absolutely possible. Coming up next, we're going to recap some NFL action and a, a couple, a lot, a lot of quick hits today. Actually, not a lot, but there's a lot to talk about. Bring the pain. This is Cyrus Wayne back after this. Welcome back to Bring the Pain. This is Cyrus Wayne, once again, coming to you from Radio Fairfax. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Cy underscore the great. That's T-H-A great. Oh, and, and, the, and one more thing before I move on to NFL especially it's the one of the one of the things that irks me is the timing of all these moves is you have these programs uh, that are vying for these bowl games and now a lot of some of them are going to be without their coach staff that got them there the the impact on recruiting which is what drives this whole thing which makes the timing all screwed up is if you're trying to recruit a kid to one school you bowl to the next uh, where's this kid is he going to try to follow you is he going to be stuck to the program Again, I don't have any real answers for you. Again, the system, as much as I like the product, makes me sick, but not sick enough to where I'm going to completely boycott it because just like most of you, I'm an addict as far as this is concerned. So from the college to the guys who get paid, which college guys should get paid, but to the guys who really get paid here. Now we are getting into the crunch time of the NFL season. We're going, we're in the late stages of November going into December. This is where some of the best... This is the best part of the NFL season because now if you are a fan of a team and playoff contention, not only are you watching your team, you're watching about everybody else in your conference. Now you're doing the whole scoreboard watching, right? You're watching your game and then you're watching, oh, uh, what's Arizona doing? Because we, we need them to lose to help to help solidify our, uh, our, our seed or that, that whole thing. That's what makes this amazing. This is what makes this fantastic. And also what makes this fantastic is you. we have surprises all over the place. I, I know I've been kind of in and out of the NFL the past few weeks, except for following my Dallas Cowboys, who are 10-1, by the way, after knocking down the skins on Thanksgiving, which was a great dessert to the lovely Thanksgiving meal that I had down in North Carolina. But outside of watching them, I've been kind of popping in and out of, of football. And the one thing that snuck up to me or two teams, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, after watching a little bit of their game against Seattle, I came to the realization that, oh my goodness, they, they won five of the last seven games. And they're right there as far as the NFC South race. And I said, whoa, when did that happen? Don't give, don't, don't give me that look. They caught you by surprise, too. You didn't know they were good either. Actually, we still don't know if they're really good, although they made a strong case against Seattle. I mean, who wins a game set 14 to 5? 14 to 5, considering that they scored on the first two, like they scored on very early twice in the first quarter and did not score since. 
But somehow that defense holding Seattle to not really five points, three points, because two points obviously came on a safety. But, oh, oh my goodness, that, that caught me by surprise. And they're in the thick of things, which really goes to show how unpredictable the NFL is. Because remember, as far as the NFC race, everyone's talking about the Cowboys and the Seahawks, how they have, and the Giants and the surging Giants are the favorites to come out of the NFC. Now, like Tampa Bay comes in and with, with an upset and a dominant, dominant defensive effort. In, in that game. And you go, whoa, can these guys really make a run? Again, that's what makes this last few weeks very interesting. And another team that caught me, that's catching me by surprise is Miami, who they just won their sixth straight game. And, and come on. And first of all, I was never a believer in Ryan Tannehill. Never, ever, 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 ever. But he's got that team. They're playing very well. That defense is, is coming alive. Uh, the emergence of Jay Ajayi down there, he didn't perform as well as far as the yardage-wise, but he was effective enough. Uh, one thing about the running game, everyone gets caught up in the yards and the touchdowns. Really, the key to the running game is control. You don't need a lot of yards to control the game. To have your running game be effective, you don't need a lot of yards. All you need to do is dictate the pace dictate the tempo. That's why Dallas is so good. While Zeke Elliott doesn't have a whole lot of yards the past couple of games, the with his running style and his production, they still control the tempo. They still control everything. That's what Miami's been able to do. To where Ryan Tannehill doesn't really need to completely take over the game because I don't think he can. While I can tell by watching a little bit of what I saw on, on the Red Zone channel, that he has progressed as a quarterback, I don't, I don't hold him in that regard just quite yet. Even though he's paid like a quarterback, who should be able to do all that is that that's just kind of the, the way it is, right? I don't know. And, and speaking of the my speaking of the Miami game, uh, what what happened to forty to the 49ers? Now that's one of the teams outside the NFC East that I hate, but. Actually, I don't feel bad they're doing badly at all. This is precisely what they deserve. And this is even my hatred aside. This is what happens when you put your ego in front of winning. If you remember, Jim Harbaugh was just the head coach there two years ago. When he was relieved of his duties, he resigned. He quit. He was fired. How, whatever, how, whatever the official thing that happened to it was, but let's face it, he was forced out. Right? After an 8-8 eight eight season, which... Not which is not bad, which is actually pretty decent considering the talent that they had on that team. But remember, with the same with the same quarterback with Colin Kaepernick, he made Colin Kaepernick look, as Josh would say, one of the best prospects he's ever seen ever in his entire life. And now Colin Kaepernick doesn't doesn't look anything like that. And again, that was Jim Harbaugh's last season was eight and eight. Since then, last season they won only five games. Uh, this season, they are clearly the, almost actually they are, they are the second worst team in the NFL with only one win. Uh, fortunately for or unfortunately, how, I don't, I'm not quite sure how you want to put this, but uh, they are saved by the Browns who can't win at all, and that doesn't really look good for them. But I can't keep backing on the Browns. This is about me crashing the 49ers for letting their front office ego get in the way of winning. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is turning around Michigan completely turned around Michigan. Now Michigan is of national relevance, just played in the game over the weekend. 
what at peaked at the number three ranking will obviously fall to probably about five or about five, six or seven after a very close controversial loss. Meanwhile, the 49ers look like they barely belong in the Pac-12. Yeah, just yeah. Speaking of Harbaugh, let's look at the other Harbaugh brother. So do you all remember a couple years ago where he was uh, raising all that fuss about Bill Belichick um, exploiting the rules, having about f- f- uh, eight offensive linemen in formation and the off-balance line and just kind of doing all that when really Bill Belichick's like, no, I know the rules better than you, so I'm going to use them. Uh, say whatever you want, but this is, why I have, this is why I have all this jewelry, baby, is I am smarter than you, I know more than you, and I'm going to use it. Uh, lo and behold, uh, J- uh, John Harbaugh, used one of the rules to his advantage to win a game that the Ravens absolutely needed. When knowing the rule book, he he ordered his players to hold, to literally hold, draw penalties on a punt to write out 11 seconds of the clock, which again, he knew that holding the, holding on to the, like, you know, holding on the play right there, uh, means they the, the play the game ends and you can't they don't have that one time down thing on like a defensive penalty and I love all these talking heads all these so called experts are now freaking out saying oh the NFL needs to go in and change this it's going to become an epidemic no, no th- these things happen maybe twice a season where a team is in this situation there's no real need to go in and you know make a knee jerk uh, reaction for this rule maybe they'll look at it, but again, everyone just calm down there. But I just like the irony of how he was just trying, he was throwing a hissy fit with Bill Belichick when he did it. Now he's doing it to his advantage to advance his team. And he's like, Oh, I know the rules. Well, whatever. Sue me. What can you do? Oh my goodness. Uh, so this is the weekly part or almost weekly part where I back on the jets. Right. And I tell you how bad Ryan Fitzpatrick is. And I'm going to mend that just a little bit. He's bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to mend it at all. He's bad, but he's not this, the level of bad. He's not um, Mark Sanchez bad. He's not uh, Ryan Leaf bad. Okay? He, he's just bad at work. He just can't really get it done. So they had New England on the ropes. All right? They had him on the ropes and couldn't put him away. All they, they needed uh, uh, just a two-minute two situation, which... With a lot of quarterbacks, that's what you get paid for, except for except for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who the New York Jets haven't yet to produce a single point in a two minute situation all season, and which is a shame because right now Brandon Marshall and the upcoming Quincy, if I get this right, and Inunua, yeah, Inunua, the other guy who just really came out of nowhere this year. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I don't really watch the Jets. I have no idea who they got. But Quincy and Nunwa, like they're just being wasted out there with not not even with a below average. There we go. Not bad, but below average with a below average guy throwing the ball to them at quarterback, which is making the strong case for perhaps a land, perhaps a landing spot for Tony Romo next season. Perhaps because we, we, we know we, we've seen the Jets. Look at the Jets. They have talent to be competitive, especially in the AFC but they are severely limited at the quarterback position. Severely limited at the quarterback position. They'd be crazy to not try to make an attempt. Just saying. 
And one of the reasons why the Patriots struggled so much to deal with the Jets when you really think the game would, would maybe should have been a little bit more than what it was, was Gronk. The, the, the Gronk injury is huge, okay? Say what you want. Like you got Tom Brady and a whole bunch of other guys you probably can't name like out of a lineup, but without Gronk, that whole machine does not work. And Martellus Bennett, who served very well with at the time like Gronk wasn't completely 100%, even he's down with, with the with an ankle injury. He's playing, but clearly not at 100%. And New England is one of those weird teams where their key players are tight ends. I I don't get it, but it works for them, and they really need to get together. Otherwise, they could be in trouble as well. And one of my favorite parts of of, of watching football this weekend, one of my favorite parts, so it if, in case you've been living under a rock, Fidel Castro, the controversial leader of of Cuba, led the revolution, was a dictator, yada yada yada. You know, he passed away over the, he passed away over the weekend. And Colin Kaepernick has been a supporter, kind of that doesn't really um, like he holds Castro in a certain regard, which he's been getting killed in the media like from the very beginning regarding it. Now, without going too much into where he's coming from. Yeah, I'm just going to stay away from that all. I'm going to stay away from that altogether. But one of the best pieces of irony came from this weekend where as San Francisco was trying to make that game saving drive like down the field on a fourth down, Colin Kaepernick rolled out, rolled to the right, was going, made a beeline toward the end zone. And Kiko Alonso, a Cuban-American player, by the way, just completely rocked him. And as much as I mentioned, I I was I wasn't supporting Kaepernick until the whole voter thing came out. Even then, that doesn't really diminish what he's done in the awareness that he's brought in the conversations that are still going on because he's doing what he did. Just and but but for me, I love irony even more and just poetic justice, whatever you want to call it. Like I and again, I hate the Niners. I wanted to see them lose. Is I loved that. Oh, that 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 did me so good. And one more thing before I move on, uh, Jay, Jay Cutler. Uh, I don't know what to I don't know what to say about him because even without them, the the Bears are competitive. They really should have beaten the Titans. They, they had the Titans beat uh, Matt Barkley, who's been in the league for about four years, but is, is somehow still considered a young quarterback, even though he's been around for four years in a sport where the average lifespan is three. I don't know how that works. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how the math on that quite adds up, but it's each their own, right? How's that? Whatever. So the, so Matt Barkley is like trying to lead his team down for a game-saving, game-winning touchdown type situation. He has two receivers who drop passes in the end zone, and they end up losing. J- just saying. They end up dropping passes. So Matt Barkley, he looked Okay, I didn't watch enough of the game to really make a strong assessment, but he looked okay. His receivers need to help him. Oh, by the way, the Titans are a, game, are a half game back of Houston, which isn't saying too much because, again, they are the AFC South is indeed the worst division in football. In any division where Brock Osweiler is the quarterback of the team in the lead, that should tell you something is wrong. Absolutely. And quietly while you're playing, Mariota has 21 touchdowns and three interceptions over the past eight games. However, I'm going to put an asterisk by it because one of those games was against the Packers, who at that point were playing bag boys as corners. 
Anyway, coming up after this. Oh, this is oh, some, I'm going to do something I absolutely love to do. I'm going to completely talk about someone that I really don't understand. I don't get. And we're going to go into Championship Saturday with my picks. Bring the pain. This is Cyrus Wayne back after this. Welcome back to Bring the Pain. This is Cyrus Wayne. The phone number is 703-560-8255. Once again, that is 703-560-8255. And I'm going to keep on telling you because, well, I have to, that if you call this number right now, chances are I'm not going to answer. Uh, you'll just have to wait to the next time I am doing a show live on Radio Fairfax in order to talk to me, to yell at me, to completely agree, to disagree, for me to call you wrong, because once again, I am right all the time. So a couple of quick hits. Oh, you know, so the one thing about this quick excitement is like, there's a lot there's a lot of things that interest me. There's a lot of things that fascinate me. And because just given the construct of an hour show over the course of a week, I don't have really time to get into as much as I want to. Literally all of these I can spend entire segments on, but but I can't. It's sloppy. It, the transitions are not not really great, but there's just some things I just want want you to know. Like just just some of my thoughts collected, uh, but not as detailed as I want to get into. I'm I'm really I'm fle- I'm fleshing these out right now. I'm really fleshing these out to really get it to where they really convey what what I want, what I'm trying to get out of them. And I just completely spent 45 seconds on that when I really could should be getting to all these because I'm not going to get into all of them. Oh, and there I go again. Eric Dickerson and Jeff Fisher are beefing. What? Yes. So Rams Hall of Fame running back Eric Dickerson is apparently like having issues with Jeff Fisher. So Eric Dickerson, you know, um, Los Angeles, when you think Los Angeles Rams, you think Eric Dickerson, right? The all-time single-season rushing leader. Uh, he has been very critical of the Rams and of Jeff Fisher and his coaching staff. And apparently either Fisher or someone in the Rams organization is having some serious issues. So you know how they have all these you know team legends all on the sideline uh, for reasons I'm not quite sure why, but they're out there. And so he wanted sideline passes, just like a lot of these guys get. And Jer- and Derek and uh, I keep saying Derek Fisher, but Jeff Fisher uh, said, "What was the one to tell him?" Not, I'm not. No one's really quite sure where this decision came from. But Jeff Fisher, Jeff Fisher was the guy who told him, "No, you're not getting him, mainly because you've been critical of this organization, of my offense, of my coaching staff, and he just wasn't having it." So Derek, so. Eric Dickerson said, you know what? Okay, fine. That's it. You won't see me. I will not go to a game as long as Jeff Fisher's the head coach, which means this, the Los Angeles Rams will be happy to have him back next season because really that's about as long as Jeff Fisher has. You know, Jeff Fisher is, again, one of those guys where I wonder why does he still have a job? I understand he was good back in the day, which I guess gets him some leeway now I, I don't get it maybe I, I think that's it but no he hasn't really done anything to deserve to still be employed in the NFL as a head coach he has not since he's been with the Rams he's been 31 and 43 since he's since he's been with the Rams now I'm, I'm all about context Cyrus is all about context I'm all about what's what's going on around you and 
this whole results-based analysis where, oh, he's a bad coach because they've been losing when uh, I, was, I, I will be the first one to tell you they haven't had all, necessarily all the talent to be Super Bowl contenders. They've had some injuries. Yes, you could. Yes, I, I'm well. I'm well aware. I am well aware. I take that into consideration. But even when you consider all those factors, he has he has not done it. He's not done it. For, for me, the Rams for years have been that that my sleeper team. Right when you look at that defense and when you look at even the scattered talent that they have on offense, I said, okay, then they are going to have a shot at least contending for a playoff spot. They're going. This is going to be the year they make that next step in their progression, and guess what? They never do. Although he does have a very dubious distinction, especially in the modern area, era, to coach a team through two, to coach two different teams through relocations. Remember, he started off with the Houston Oilers before he, before the, the Tennessee Titans and, you know, St. Louis and now L.A. You, you guys knew that, right? But th- that's just kind of in, interesting in his... A career arc, and he has another dubious distinction. So, by the, which is very possible, <laughs> and again, just because for whatever reason, like, I just like bagging on Jeff Fisher. You know, he only needs three losses to have the losingest record in NFL history. He broke the tie this past week they had with Tom Landry for the second losingest record. But now he's chasing Dan Reeves, who is at 165 losses for his career. Jeff Fisher is currently at 163. Three more, you do the math, he'll be at 166. And, of course, context, right? He's been coaching for a long time, about 22 years. Dan Reeves is coached for 23. So you coach for a long time, you're going to lose games. That's just that's just the way it works, right? You, you're around long enough, you're going to lose games. But once you consider that Dan Reeves got to his mark at 357 games, Meanwhile, Jeff right now is at 337, and if he breaks this, he'll be at 340 and complete 17 games under that. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. Long. And again, like this whole rivalry, this beef between Eric Dixon and Jeff Fisher isn't really a big story. I just like taking shots at Jeff Fisher. Love it. Uh, moving on. Next, quickly. And if... Uh, uh, Thursday night football is on the chopping block. So uh, according to uh, sources, the NFL is considering looking into getting rid of Thursday night football, which if I had like, sound to play of complete celebration, I would. Thursday night football is one of the worst things that happened to football since I, actually, I don't know what, what, what the one. Oh, since they moved back the extra point. No, no I, I like that. I like moving back the extra point. Anyway, it's bad. So the con. So for those of you who want to know, the contract runs out through, Runs out in uh, 2017, so next season with C with CBC and and um, NBC, like who are bro- who are in tandem broadcasting these games. And again, the games have been terrible, and oh, they they just been god awful. You're not you're not meant to play football in four days rest. You're just not, especially when it's the Jags and Titans who are lacing up after four days rest. Yeah, you have two bad teams. You have bad football. It's just not 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 a good sign, really, for me. Um, a little bit old-fashioned. Thursday, Thursday football only belongs on Thanksgiving. Uh, that is it. And if you're really, ch- if the NFL is really chasing these dollars, what they really need to do is move these Thursday games to late in the season, only after college football. So, like right now, as we're making the playoff push, you play, you move these Thursday games to Saturday, where you actually have relevant relevant teams with stakes on the line. Because we love stakes as viewers, we love stakes, we love games that mean something. That may be the solution, but with the NFL, you can never tell what they do. 
Next quick hit, Conor McGregor is dropping his featherweight championship. So a few weeks ago, I talked about uh, Conor McGregor winning the lightweight championship, which had a, which means he had uh, two titles, the featherweight, which he hasn't defended in over a year. Well, that that title is being dropped to Jose, to Jose Aldo, which was the guy, if, if you're not familiar with UFC, Jose Aldo was the guy that McGregor had beaten for the title to begin with last December. And that particular move doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but hey, you know, like UFC is a sport I'm still really getting into, and so, so there's definitely some back, some politicking there, and whatnot. So it was about time that it happened. McGregor was as much as I love McGregor as a character, as, as much as I love him as a fighter, I, he's been holding that division hostage, and this was a decision that needed to be made for for the health of that division. Um, next next month, there's going to be UFC 206 in which Max Holloway is going to be fighting Anthony Pettis in basically what's going to be in wrestling, uh, what we call a number one contender match. Basically, the winner here is scheduled to fight Aldo for the title like months down the line from, from, all, from all reports. Again, good move. McGregor was holding, the, was holding the ball hostage. That needed to happen. Another quick hit. Uh, Notre Dame. I, I talked about this last week very briefly. Notre Dame is going to vacate. Is going to well, is filing an appeal to not vacate its games like the NCAA wants it to do. So, very quick summary. There were some academic issues with the cup with the one of the student trainers and a couple of players. Notre Dame keywords self-reported incident, and they they had their own internal investigation. Uh, one of the athletes was cleared. He was able to continue his studies. He was able to graduate. The others were taken care of internally, kicked out of the school, yada, yada, yada. So the NCAA, so they told the NCAA that all this happened. NCAA came in, looked at, looked at everything and said, okay, we agree with you. Oh, by the way, we want to vacate those games that these players participated in. And Notre Dame was, what? Really? And, and this will set a terrible precedent if this appeal were to stand because by the book, Notre Dame did everything that they were supposed to do. Okay. They did everything they were supposed to do and they're still being punished for it. So at, at this point, you're basically telling the programs, okay, then yeah, you, you may snitch on yourself, but uh, we're, we're still going to punish you. So if I'm a program, why am I going to be self-reporting anything? If you want to come and punish me, you're going to have to come find me. You're going to have to come catch me do something. Me personally, I never snitch on myself. Never. You're going to have to catch me in something. And even then, I'm going to still deny it, deny it, deny it. But again, this is, again, where I'm not going to turn this into me railing against the NCAA because that could be an entire show. Oh, there's an idea. But this is where the over the NCAA is overstepping their, their bounds. This is strictly an academic issue, which the university handled internally, uh, much to their credit. Everything was taken care of. The NCAA has absolutely no business in dealing with this. None at all. And they, they love they love punishing people who weren't involved in anything. They, they love it. And it needs to stop. Well, uh, we're running out of time. Last quick hit for the evening. So Michael Jordan received a medal, a presidential medal of freedom in a ceremony last week with a whole bunch of other people you've heard of. Right. Uh, which if, in case you have, in case you're not again, again, in case you're under a rock for whatever reason, the president, the medal of freedom is the nation's highest civilian honor. 
And it goes to people who who quote who have made especially meritorious contributions to the security or national interests of the United States, to world peace, or to cultural or other significant public or private endeavors, end quote. Dude, he played basketball. Now, I respect him as a great player. I do. I, I, I Yes, I really do. As much as when, when Brandon and... And T. Stokes Ron, I kind of went against him. I respect him as a great player. But one thing that absolutely irritates me is this godlike status that he has with fans. That's what irritates me, especially in getting this particular honor. Yes, he was a great player. He's in the Hall of Fame as he deserves to be for being a great player. However, when you look at that criteria and the quote that I just read and how it how the Medal of Freedom is described, I do not classify playing basketball, exploiting labor to make overpriced shoes falling under that category i just don't i just don't i i I don't get it i don't see it there may be some stuff i'm missing there but really like that's that's what's happening that's what's happening and especially considering that kareem abdul jabbar also received the medal of freedom at the same ceremony two players who were both great in their time for great for what they did but Kareem, who was really at the forefront as an athlete of the civil rights movement and continues to be. Meanwhile, Michael Jordan, during his heyday, during the peak of his powers in his prime, did everything he could to stay away from social issues. To to me, there's no as far as this particular honor, there's absolutely no comparison as great as basketball, as great at basketball as Michael Jordan was. There's not much he has done in my eyes, which doesn't really matter a whole lot because it's the president giving this award that there's not much he has done to deserve this honor. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, absolutely. And he deserved it. Uh, Michael Jordan, I guess, congratulations. Again, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have given it to you. But again, I don't have that say. This him getting this award, considering like how silent he has been on a lot of these very important issues, makes me nauseous. Anyway, coming up next, uh, I'm going to do a very quick recap of the college action, how I spent my weekend, and s- some picks for Championship Saturday. Bring the pain, Cyrus Wayne, coming up after this. Welcome back to Bring Them Pain. This is Cyrus Wayne. Oh, Championship Saturday is coming up. It's, it's coming up. We're right here. We just came off a of rivalry week, which did me a whole lot of good personally on a number of fronts. First and foremost, take that old man. My wolf pack completely destroyed your Tar Heels. You take that. Take that. Take that. Yes, I am going to scream it to the loud heavens. Go pack. That's how we do it. Uh, sad thing is because we beat our hated rivals, Carolina, the coach that I desperately want to fire will still keep his job for at least one more year. Uh, if there is a such thing as a bittersweet win against North Carolina, that would be it. Yeah, yeah, sure. I get the short-term glory of beating, you know, the University of Cheater Hill. Who, again, I'll spend another show talking about all, all that stuff that they've been going through for the past twenty-five years. But anytime we get a win over them, that's great. However, this does come for, for me at least with a long-term. Uh, was that really the best thing to do? Anyway, so this so this past Saturday rivalry week we did this great thing. I, I was down in North Carolina at my parents' house, ha- having a good time. 
watch the games with with, like, with the old man. Uh, you know, you know, my mom was in the kitchen. She was do, doing all kinds of great stuff. A lot of tailgate food, a lot of good food. Uh, I'll here we go. At Cy underscore the great, gonna post the picture of the spread. Sands Buffalo wings. Just understand it was great. Sp- like spend some time with the old man. Spend some time with the family. Uh, watching watching good football, eating good food, all good times all around. It was gr- it was a great way to cap off Thanksgiving weekend for me. Absolutely fantastic. Now going forward, Championship Saturday is coming up. I'm running out of time here, so I'm gonna go through this quickly. Last week, man, my picks did good. I think this is the best week I've had since I've been doing this. The best week I've had. Four and one. Ole Miss, what are you doing? Really? What are you doing? But I got everything else. So the one the one thing I'm watching up I'm watching I'm again for those of you who don't know, I'm recording this on a Tuesday. The final the final rankings have not come out for the playoff just quite yet. They'll come out it's actually as soon as I get off the air this evening. So you, so the one thing I'll be watching this upcoming championship weekend is Washington, is if they're going to do enough for them to get in, or are they going to be left out because someone else, like some other crazy stuff happens. So going into my picks as I wrap up for today, for today, uh, Clem, in, the, in the ACC, Clemson, Virginia Tech. I'm taking Clemson because Virginia Tech, as good as they are, they can't handle the speed of Clemson. I'm definitely taking them. Now, from Mitchell Washington, I lamented several weeks ago. I didn't really know how good they are. I'm coming to find out that they are actually really good. Colorado, I know absolutely nothing about them. They're supposed to be good too, but in my very limited knowledge of how my of Pac-12 teams, I am taking Washington over Colorado. And in the Big 12, as we have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the Bedlam game, which is the de facto Big 12 championship game. They'll have a real championship game next season, but this is going to be the de facto Big 12 championship game. Uh, the Big 12 is likely going to be out of the playoff again this year. I am taking Oklahoma. Uh, Bama is playing against Georgia in the SEC championship. Do I really need to tell you who I'm, who I'm going, for, who I'm picking there? Uh, Bama's going to roll uh, clear the clear best team in the nation, number one overall seed. And finally, another team to watch is Wisconsin. They play against Penn State who had that fluke victory over Ohio State. I'm definitely picking Wisconsin and they will if they if they win, they might sneak into the playoff. They might sneak into the playoff. It, it, we, we don't there's a lot we don't know with this committee and how they're going to do it, how they're going to do everything. But anyway, those are my picks. Uh, that's my show. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Once again, I am at Cy underscore the great. I'm going to put up that spread, that delicious spread I had, I had uh, during during uh, college football Saturday this week. Anyway, back next week, better than ever, bringing the pain. This is Cyrus Wayne. See ya.